0: I just want to talk about home bargains, if I can. I was scutting around home bargains the other day uh, and waiting to pay near the till. The clouds cleared as I was kind of in my own little world. And suddenly, something inspired just jumped out at me. It was a grab bag of crisps with an incredibly specific flavour. You know, you get used to the same old flavours of crisps. You know, your cheese and onions and salt and vinegar and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, they might mix up a couple of combos. But I mean, this is this was something different. The crisps were Boxing Day curry flavour crisps. I kid you not, it was a real thing. And I thought to myself, what an amazing feeling and flavour to capture. Almost Willy Wonka-esque. So essentially what they're going for there uh, with Boxing Day curry flavour crisps is uh, a flavour of making a curry from leftover chicken or turkey the day after Christmas Day when the tally's a bit better and you've relaxed a little bit. The family arguments are out the way. Incredibly specific. And it opens the door to a, a whole new market incredibly specific crisp flavours and I think over the next 50 minutes on the show tonight on Home Time we could kind of workshop a few ideas and maybe we'll make a lot of money together do you know what I mean? Uh, Tom says what about weekday drinking knowing everyone else is stuck at work flavour fantastic flavour of crisps that Uh, Mr Crispy Rice on Twitter says 2am kebab and chips flavour that's really really good I think we could be on to someone here if it captures a specific feeling share it with the group now we could be on to the next big thing Christina from Devon has just added a little footnote to this I'm I'm not sure if this is 100% true apparently Paul Heaton of the beautiful south collects different flavour crisp packets Google him she adds is that a thing because if so Heaton needs to know about uh, Boxing Day curry flavoured crisps because it's going to blow his mind we'll come back to that Ross Turner says boiled egg flavour not really an experience that is it Ross to be honest with you Mike says what about this? Sitting in a working men's club as a child drinking coke whilst everyone around you is smoking and drinking double diamond flavour crisps. Like I say, let's channel pure Willy Wonka tonight on Home Time. Mark says, Afternoon Bush, how about the Taste of Terror flavour crisps? Your Amazon driver is four stops away and you need a proper sit down toilet. He says, few things are worse in modern day life. Thanks for that, Mark. Uh, Angel says, what about all you can eat buffet dinner whilst on holiday? That's interesting. Again, either a good or bad Marie, depending on the how your holiday went. Watson says, pasty chips and beans eaten off a tray on your lap whilst the missus is out flavor absolutely love that put me down for 10 bags uh we've got casey on the line casey mate what uh feeling would you like to capture in crisp form uh so a sip uh of your first pint at the airport before you go on holiday fantastic so you want to try and channel that in a, in a in a crisp format that amazing first taste of a pint of uh carling when you get to the airport and you've checked in and everything
1: yeah that'd be epic i reckon
0: that would be a taste sensation wouldn't it
1: yeah, good, on the
0: treat. Do you want know a great follow-up would be? Uh, we've got time for one more before the departures board comes up. A extra packet of crisps or something like that. Yeah,
1: definitely a market for it, I reckon. <laughs>
0: nice one, mate. Good to speak to you. All
1: right,
0: cheers, Bush. Uh, we've got uh, some great suggestions coming in of incredibly specific crisps that they could market. Perry from The Wirral says, what about the moment you get off the plane on holiday, open the packet to that warm, hot air feeling? crisps need to work on the title a little bit but he could be on to something there and someone who doesn't leave their name says hear me out on this bush turbo shandy free pool 90s commercial trance elderly whip it in the corner flavor crisps i think he means old-fashioned british pub a uh, bit of clarification been trying to work out whether it's a highbrow show this home bargain or home bargains Kirsty says I've just pulled up at a retail park. It's home bargains. Thanks for that, Kirsty. So your suggestions for these are coming in. We could make millions together here tonight on the show. Uh, John says drunken Billy Bear ham and cheese string sandwich at 3am flavour. Loving your work. Uh, Charlotte adds, uh, what about Richie Firth's microwave meal for one whilst the wife's away flavour, crisp. That's unfair. I know Richie's on holiday this week, but I saw him on Instagram last night. He was eating old El Paso, so he's living the dream. Uh, we've got Igor on the line right now. He's got a very specific flavour he'd like to recreate. Tell us about it, Igor. My Uncle Jim used to make it. It contained lentils, pea, split peas. It had carrots, leeks, and an awful lot of pepper. OK, and, and what was this, Igor? What, was this some kind of broth? It was, it was just a New Year's Day broth So, you, so uh, if you were if out first footing then you would often get a, some of it if it had gone past midnight or when you got up the next day before you went out to the pub you got some more uh, And did it have any medicinal qualities this broth that your Uncle Jim used to make? Absolutely not enough. Are you suggesting then that we do a flavour of crisps called uh, My Uncle Jim's New Year's Day Broth flavour? <laughs> I would say never ever let that loose on the population of this country Brilliant, so you are phoned, phoned in to rule it out, rule it out completely. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Eagle, good to speak to you. Your Uncle Jim sounded like one hell of a character. He was that. He was indeed. Yeah, well. Was- I just want to say a big thank you to everyone f- uh, for their help yesterday cheers for your help and that uh, coming up with stuff beginning with tea from the 80s uh, for my little podcast 80s that Are grown up in the 80s which is out now uh, so I've given a load of people a-, a little credit on that as well so cheers for that because it, as you'll h- hear from listening to the podcast the do- 80s does mean a lot to me because uh, I was when I was a kid I had the best toys as far as I'm concerned the 80s and I'm always trying to get my kids into the stuff that I was into when I was a kid thinking look, it was so damn good for me surely it must be Good for you as well. And there's a specific toy uh, that was kind of around at the end of the 80s, early 90s that captured my imagination. Uh, it's the Tamagotchi. Do you remember the Tamagotchi? Now I, this might be a 90s thing, and maybe just outside of the remit of the 80s, but the point still remains. I loved them when I was a kid. I thought they were brilliant. And there was a big craze back in the day where do you remember uh, like kids had to hand their mobile like their Tamagotchis in to the teachers. Or people would be like paid sweets to look after them and keep them alive. If you don't know what a Tamagotchi is, it's like a little digital animal that lives in a keyring. It's, 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 it's a relic of a more simple time. And it starts off as like a little egg and you kind of nurture it. I think you've got to like look after it and clean up its poo and feed it. It's a bit like having a kid. Anyway, so it starts out as an egg, and then it's in a keyring, and it's great. I bought one for my eldest daughter Erin, who's into like uh, Japanese stuff like Studio Ghibli and anime and all that kind of thing. Thinking, oh, she's going to love this, and this is like a, a connecting bond thing, because I remember them from when I was a kid. I can pass on this kind of baton. Not interested at all. I thought it was a ridiculous idea. Couldn't even understand why I even bought it. I was quite, literally quite broken by it, to be honest with you. So I thought, rather than just like give it away, I'm on my own this week, on home time. Rich is on his holiday. I was thinking if you lot are up for it uh, maybe we should uh, crack open the egg because at the moment on the screen is the egg bouncing around I don't know what monster it is but maybe we could adopt it as like the home time show pet or something name it and everything look after it together like co-parenting you can have it at weekends or something every alternate weekend but again I'll only do that uh, if you guys are up for it If you're not afraid, then it's absolutely fine. We'll move on. I'll never mention the Tamagotchi ever again. But I would like to prove to Erin that it is a a legitimately good toy and I wasn't completely wasting my time. And not all the toys from when I was a kid are like George Formby-type stuff, you know... uh throwing balls down cobbled alleys in black and white All right, we had technology too, thanks Erin so just initial thoughts are you up for the Tamagotchi thing I'd say Home Time is the only radio station in the United Kingdom, nay the world that's asking you right now if you're up for co-parenting a Tamagotchi together for the whole week, Uh, Sean says it'll be dead within a week, thanks Sean mate Uh, Rob says, years ago I lent mine to my nephew and he killed it. Again, a little bit negative. Emily says, I'm so into the Tamagotchi family. I can be the auntie that does extra slices of cake when the parents aren't looking. Loving that. And Darren's got the, he's got the spirit of it. He says, do it, Bush. Live radio Tamagotchi birth, please. Watch this space. We'll do it tomorrow. And we will look after it together. We will co-parent it together uh, to prove my eldest daughter, Erin wrong. She's only 12, but she reckons it's rubbish. She doesn't know why I bought it for her. She, she will be proved wrong on tomorrow's show. That's the eldest. The youngest is called Thea, and she spent the morning this is honestly true with her mates at nursery her two other little mates uh, watching the roadworks around the corner from where we live which is an amazing thing inspired idea from uh, Pauline the childminder just left the door open obviously stood there with them but they were just there watching the diggers and stuff because they're re the road and the kids absolutely loved it they were enthralled So I just thought I'd ask you this hour of the show, uh, what is the most mundane thing you've managed to entertain children with? Or maybe when you were a kid, there was a thing that was like dead basic that you were well interested in that saved your parents a load of money. Uh, Rich Wheatman is sending a brilliant photo. He says, fishing in a paddling pool. Kept my lad quiet for about half an hour. And Claire says, when my son was little, a world map used to keep him engrossed for hours. Uh, Share some great parenting, cheap parenting advice with the group here and get in touch. Kate says, one summer when my daughter was little, she pulled up a chair on the driveway to watch the traffic pass. Kept her quiet. Uh, This one here says, Bush, our girl Freya, age three, uh, would play hours with spice jars and OXO cubes in the kitchen worktop. John, when we were kids, we used to eat a bit of OXO. I don't know whether that still uh, tastes any good or not. That could be an idea for later on in the week. Does OXO still taste good? Andy Grove says, get them to pick a colour of car and they get a point for each one that drives past. Again, incredibly cheap childcare idea right there from Andy. And Sam in Plymouth says, "Uh, Bush, we used to take our four small kids to Carpet Right for a fun fun morning of hide and seek and rolling over the big rolls of carpet. Uh, This one here says, Bush, best mum game I ever invented, Uh, this is from the Kennedys travelling home to Kent, best mum game I ever invented was the quiet game. Who can be quietest the longest hours of fun in the car at home anywhere really it's the game you can take with you uh angie kingslin says uh, try a cup of water and a paintbrush outside on the patio magic painting kept my boys entertained for hours as it kept disappearing on a hot day loving this work and one final one here and i love this uh, bush on a treasure walk through the local woods i managed to drop and the kids managed to find the same pound coin about 20 times now that's the kind of game i love it's home time on a Tuesday night, and it is a real honour to welcome to the studio wearing uh, a combat green top. It's Ben Miller.
1: I live in the countryside. You know, uh, you never know what's going to happen. I might have to camouflage myself and live under a hedge. <laughs> um, you know, uh, it is a bit odd, isn't it? This it's, is like,
0: it's like, you remember the ones you get from an Arm- Army and Navy store with the shoulder pads? It's got an it's action man vibe. Like it's I like it.
1: Slight, it looks like I'm in the TA. Um, let's face it, nobody who lived in London would wear... Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, probably somebody is going to try and pickpocket me or whatever as soon as I leave. I like it, though. Yes, yeah, it's attitude, isn't it? It
0: is a bit of attitude, but you've just come from the countryside straight into central London here for this interview, so you are wearing just normal garb that people would wear out in the
1: country. Yeah, I have every right to wear it. (laughs) How are you doing? It's great to see you. Uh, How have you fared during lockdown? Have you been all right? It's been a lockdown of two halves for me. I mean, I think, like, for a lot of people, you know, first first half of lockdown that was novelty value and the second half of lockdown yeah. was horrendous. Yeah. Um, but, you know, all in all, taken all in all, I feel like there will be positives that come out of lockdown. I feel like there will be positives that come out of, of COVID. I think it's probably, you know, like all... You know com- yeah, but shocks you know yeah. uh, to to the world they they do then bring some good it's because we then sort of reevaluate we think you know what what, what me you know we look for meaning don't we and we yeah. try and change our lives we try and make this is a great thing about us about humanity. We'll look at this and we'll think. I want this to have meant something. So let's make some changes. That's my hope. I
0: hope. always, I always remember Bill Hicks calling uh, the human race a virus with shoes, which is a really good point. I mean, we we are we're resilient. I mean, like the end of uh, um, War of the Worlds. Remember, we kind of outlasted. Spoiler alert: uh, we outlasted <laughs> the aliens because we we've had colds and they've never had a cold before. So you know, we are a yeah. resilient bunch. I mean, a lot of people were banding around the thing that. Um, Lockdown and the, the first, you know, the, the main big bit of COVID was like our equivalent of the Blitz. I guess our generation's never really been tested as yes. much as, say, the old, you know, the older like generation. It was like the Blitz, though, was it? I mean, it let's, let's be real. Let's honest. be honest. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. like the
1: Blitz. They didn't have <laughs> Netflix. They, um, you know, in the Blitz they didn't all watch tiger king yeah um it's not it's not the same it's not the same i find that ridiculous i find that comparing what we've been through to the blitz yeah ridiculous in terms of the physical danger i don't know that you can compare the two however in terms of the what you call what people call now call mental health yeah yeah seeming they use that as a word for being in bad mental health as in i've got mental health yeah i find that I find that a bit. It's a strange term, but isn't a it? Mental health. It's a strange term, but let's use it in terms of our mental health. I think it has had a huge effect, and I don't yeah. think we even realise now, uh, because we saw, we've all got to sort of be in denial about the effects of it right now. And I think as we sort of emerge, you know, we uh, uh, things will write themselves, and we'll start to realise that yes, in terms of, um, you know, where people were mentally. Yeah, I think it has been. You know, it has been really, really difficult. A lot. Of, the
0: first half of uh, lockdown was kind of people doing hobbies. Second half was, like you said, a bit more grim. Did you did you um, yeah. did, pick up any hobbies, Ben? during first it?
1: first half of lockdown, learned how to make sourdough bread. Second half of lockdown, <laughs> ate sourdough. <bread.
0: laughs> like you say, it was a lockdown of two halves, wasn't it? <laughs> 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 uh, I love that. There was a lot. Of, there was a lot of hobbying going on, wasn't there? Do you know what I mean? There was. A lot was. Of people... I
1: enjoyed my hobbies. Yeah, I got. I've what got hobbies more, have you got? What are I've you got into? More into the garden. I've actually, you know, I bought a gardening book. What you should be doing. <laughs> Uh, every day in your garden, and now I know exactly what I should be doing every day in my garden. Yes, you know, and I did. In all seriousness, I did a lot of baking. I did a lot of, you know, I got, really got into uh, sourdough, which is yeah. it's like trying to take up Taekwondo. <laughs> because mean, that one is that only you got to leave absolute, it in like a little pot
0: for days and stuff as that well? That
1: really does no justice to the amount of work and effort that goes into making sourdough bread. You practically have to create another living entity. Yeah, feed it with your body and soul and then pray yeah. on regular occasions <laughs> that it actually has the effect that you desire it to have.
0: Well, I, I got bought a sourdough-making class for my birthday a couple of years ago, and I couldn't believe the amount of work... I, I, I almost halfway through put my hand up and said, no, 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 I can't be no, asked with this. No, this, is no, no, no. this is ridiculous. This, this is, is ridiculous. This is absolutely
1: ridiculous. And you only realise how ridiculous, once you've made... They call it a starter. The thing That's where it starts. And after a while, you start to realise that, yeah, you're basically... You're, you've joined a cult. You're worshipping... <laughs> you're worshipping... At the, uh, you know, you're worshiping up the altar of a god who is not entirely benevolent. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Living in your kitchen in the Tupperware well, yes. dish, <laughs> talking to it and that. Uh, ben, can I just say that Armstrong and Miller is one of my favourite British comedy series of all time.
1: You can say that, and I'd love you to mean
0: it. No, I, I do, I mean it. Mean it. Yeah. The, e- examine, Vigilator mucking about but in the background of the students is, is
1: a sketch of genius level as far as <laughs> I'm concerned.
0: You. Do you feel that you, what you guys did uh, gets the credit it deserves?
1: Well, or I think dessert? it does. I mean, it's funny, isn't it? I I have taken it upon myself on my on the gram to sort of post regularly yeah. sketches. I think it's a sort of a little bit of a lost art. Being, I was going to having say. made a sketch show in the sort of 90s and 2000s, a bit like having worked in one of those gentlemen's menswear shops <laughs> that they now have in the Burlington Arcade. I think sooner or later, you know, Little Britain and the League of Gentlemen and us, we're going to open up in there and there'll just be a little shop. We'll go in and we'll just show you a sketch and we'll prey upon your, you know, your innocence yeah. and your awkwardness to try and get you to part with enormous amounts of cash. But is it, it's, it's, it is a little bit of a lost art. You don't see, I mean, I remember, again, maybe this is something
0: that just happens for every generation where you, you go on about the music was better in your day and the comedy was better in your day but
1: i, but I genuinely it was. it was i felt spoiled for well, there choice there was news here there isn't
0: it <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of strange isn't it it's, it's almost a bit of a lost art the whole sketch show thing uh,
1: comedy's really taken a left turn as it? it's gone right on to i mean it has gone on to the social hasn't it people are now there are some brilliant comedians out there but they're all working you know all on tiktok aren't they or they are yeah. you know they they're, they're posting on twitter and it's taken a very very different form um, i did take a little bit of encouragement from netflix have just just released a new sketch show which i thought oh this is this is the first time in a long time I can think, oh! Ooh, maybe yeah. the tide, like Canute, I stand here <laughs> on the shore. Maybe the tide is coming. Whoa, 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 whoa. Um, <laughs> yes, possibly, 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 it could come back. I would like to think everything's fashion, right, including.
0: Do you think Armstrong uh, and Miller would be like commissioned now in the, in the in the kind of world we're in now? Not so. at <laughs> home. Isn't it's that so. a shame but though?
1: Then none of those sketch shows would be. Little Britain wouldn't be. The League of Gentlemen wouldn't be. None of them would be. There isn't. You know, it really does. Say, it was a huge amount of interest in. Pretty much because of the Fast Show. Actually, the Fast Show was was really the in the vanguard of it all. and They were incredibly successful at just reinventing that whole.
0: And that you know, was that was an thing. accident, wasn't it? They just did like a little demo. It was
1: an of... accident. They did a demo of their sort of most popular yeah. characters, and they thought, "Wait a minute,
0: there's something we've got Wait something here." <laughs>
1: Yes, yeah, according to legend. Yeah, so I think I think sketchers will come back, and I'm looking forward to whatever form they come back in. And, you know, I'll be standing there, cap in hand, in the line, of course. Ready and waiting. Waiting, ready and waiting. <laughs>
0: you mentioned TikTok and and, and and social media and so on then. Wasn't it nice? Yesterday we just mentioned this as you, as you came in. Wasn't it nice to have it like all down and off for a Let bit? Let me
1: ask you, what was your first feeling... You know, what was the pre- te- talk? Me through your feeling, your thoughts and feelings when you realised that fa- that f- uh, Facebook, WhatsApp and Instagram had all gone down.
0: It was, do you know what, it was liberating. Liberating. Well, turn my phone That's off and put I it on, down, face down, thought, down on the couch. first of all.
1: I thought I don't understand this. I was like, my water had been cut off or something, or it was this like this can't be This must be something wrong with my laptop, or there must be something wrong with my Wi Fi. You know, and then and then it was like relief. I felt yeah. this huge this feeling of, oh wow, anything is. Is it back on yet? Is it back on? <laughs> might have to actually talk to each other. I mean, anything the- is possible, but I still can't get back online. No, th-
0: but- the amazing thing was, is if you're if you're in a WhatsApp group with people, it, there's a real pressure on to be, you know, to be chipping in all the time, or yes. people worry about you, make sure you're okay. I do you know what I
1: mean? So it's quite yeah, nice yeah, not yeah. to have that for a bit. It was, was nice to have that for a bit. Although immediately all my WhatsApp groups switched to text. Oh right, yeah, to try and um, get which, you. Which I was, I was really really <laughs> grateful for. Do you know what I mean? I, that was like <laughs> kind of relieved. I think, okay, the lifeline is. Could you the do, the do a
0: detox though, Ben? Could you go away somewhere and just
1: have you? I've done a detox. See, yeah, I did a. That was one of the things I did in the first lockdown. One of the ridiculous hobby projects I had. Uh-huh. I thought I'm going to wean myself off my phone. Yeah. And I did a course. It was called How to Divorce Your Phone. I think it was a book, self-help book. Wow. I and I went through a whole. <laughs> how, how did that go? It was it was really intense. I mean, it was really really intense. Yeah. You know, I mean, I can't think of any other. I mean, I would say I'm probably addicted to coffee. I don't think that would be nearly as intense as it was giving up my phone. And here's the really interesting thing. Made no difference in the long run whatsoever. I've just gone completely (laughs) back to using it exactly how I used it before the digital. But during it, it was brilliant. But here's the thing. You become one of those slightly annoying people who gets a little bit evangelical. Oh, looking at your phone, are you? Every five minutes. I put my phone away. I haven't got my phone here, but you're looking at... A phone phone. vegan.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I mean I, I tried that as well. I, I bought one of those like, like an old like retro phone which didn't have any like WhatsApp on oh, it or so. That's crap. And it's all right. But the problem is I had to get I had to then phone other friends for updates on what was going on in <laughs> groups because it just got exhausting. I went back to my old phone in the end. Let's talk about your brilliant new book though, Ben. This is a beautiful thing. Uh, How I became a dog called Midnight. Just tell us a little, kind of brief synopsis of the story, so and what age is this aimed at? Overall,
1: age seven and up. So I've been writing. Uh, I've been writing a book for each of my kids. This is my fourth book. I've got three kids. So essentially, I ran out of children. So <laughs> I decided to. I decided to write a story about our dog. So then I, you know, and I was thinking, what kind of story can I do? And then I remembered when I was a kid, I just loved to imagine that I was animals and to pretend I was animals. And there was a particular cartoon on Saturday mornings, I think it was on ITV, called The Arabian Nights, and they had a character who would say, size of a mouse, yeah. and he would turn into a mouse. It was yeah, amazing. Yeah. Depending on what the you know the situation demanded. He wouldn't turn into a mouse if what he needed was size of an elephant. He would turn into an elephant. Yeah. Or a tiger. I think it was pretty much always a mouse, an elephant or a tiger. It's three main ones. yeah. Most yeah, they covered <laughs> most bases. And I thought, wouldn't it be great to write a story about a boy who swaps bodies with a dog. So it's a body swap. Um, Yeah, it's a magical body swap story about this boy called George who swaps body with this dog, very like my dog, called Midnight. Yeah. And then the two of them uncover a crime and together with their friend Coco, they have to solve the crime. But of course, George is a dog. So he uses his dog powers dog to power. save the day. Do
0: you know what I love about it? It really <laughs> reminded me of, um, one of the first grown one of the first grown up books I ever read was Stephen King I think it was Stephen King, or maybe it was James Herbert, called Fluke. Ooh.
1: And it's that about. Sounds like a James Herbert book. Might so be James he Herbert. Loved the single, the single word title. Yeah, and it was yeah. about
0: a, a, a person who gets. I think he gets murdered and he gets reincarnated in in the body of a dog. And then uh, there's wow. something going on in this family, and the dog's trying to save the family from uh, evil forces and oh, all that kind brilliant. of thing, kind that of supernatural thing. But I love I it. Known it. about that when I was trying <laughs> to
1: write this book. To give you a nudge. Check out. <laughs> that Fluke. sounds more Stephen King than James Herbert, though, doesn't it? Stephen King's very concept. Yes. Shall I, shall yeah. I'm going
0: to Google yeah, it right we'll now. To, let's just sort let's, this out. Let's
1: not Google it. How about that? That's a good point. Let's just leave it there.
0: Let's just leave it out let's there. Let's just leave it out there. Do you remember in the olden days where <laughs> if, if you're a, having a conversation in the lounge and you couldn't work out <laughs> what, what year that person was born or whatever, or what nationality, yeah, yeah. it just left unresolved? You say,
1: let's agree to disagree. Perfect. Let's well, agree. let's just do that.
0: <laughs> so um, someone said on, on one of the Amazon reviews of the book, and there's loads of brilliant reviews of it, um, they said that you've obviously done a lot of research into how a dog's mind works.
1: Yes, I was fascinated by that. I. Came quite new to dogs i've only had dogs for about five years or so and so i i kind of wanted to learn uh, one of the reasons for writing the book i wanted to learn learn about dogs i read a lot about dog um dog psychology but yeah. also dog physiology dog ana- you know dog anatomy could you just say canine anatomy it would sound yeah. more uh, it, was, it would sound more better <laughs> um so basically uh dogs here's, here's my top uh, I'm going to give you my top five facts. Five dogs. dog Maybe facts. Maybe that's too many. No, we no, might, we might, we might,
0: you know. We can put some music underneath to give it this to give it a bit of a chart type feel. Okay. Do you want to go from five down to number one, or how do you want to do the chart?
1: Okay, I will go from five F- to one. but I'll, I'll, pre- I'll pretend that this is in the order that. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> in at number five. In at number five. Dogs can, can sense into the past because dogs, their primary sense is smell, and smells as we all know, linger. And they can tell by what state the smell is in, how long ago it was left there. So they are... We work by our eyes, don't we? We only live in this present moment. Dogs are experiencing this moment and pretty much every moment that's gone immediately before. It's so
0: very nostalgic via smell. Very they're d- like blood yeah. dogs and stuff you get in on crime scenes and stuff like but that. Yes, I guess.
1: and I was thinking, you know, in my in my story at one point, George has to follow a trail and of course the person isn't there, but it's easy because he's got, the, you can see the footprints on the ground. You can like smell them right there on the ground. It's quite weird when you think
0: about that's it. That's amazing. So that, that's fact number five. In at number four. I'm going to struggle for
1: five facts. <laughs> 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 number four, dogs are descended from wolves. No, no great surprise there. But have you, have you ever thought how that came about, and there's some interesting. Obviously, nobody knows, nobody was there, but there's some kind of interesting interpretations. And the best one I've heard is uh, all, all that the humans are there by the campfire. It's late at night. Some of the wolves, who are the most friendly wolves, begin to form some of a, something of a bond with the humans yeah. and the cohabitation begins from there like okay. nice interesting so it was the f- among the friendliest and it, it explains the dog's nature looking like a wolf but having this incredible human centered nature yeah. it was the uh, wolves most focused on the humans that then evolved into a different species into dogs. related to I'm gonna go to number three now jump you know. in yeah yeah related to that point is if you're wondering what can I feed my dog you know, people say, oh, should give your dog biscuits or you oh, should give your dog raw meat. I would say, feed your dog whatever you eat. Oh, really? Dogs have evolved to eat <laughs> what you eat. Okay, I see. There's no huge mystery to it. Now, of course, everybody knows about the chocolate, you know, this, everyone knows about the uh, don't feed cooked chicken because of the the, the chicken shards. Oh, well,
0: I had ham egg and chips last night. Would that have gone down well with the dog?
1: Dog would love that. <laughs> I would love that, wouldn't I? Uh, That's my, that's my, I mean, uh, I'm not an expert. <laughs> <laughs> nobody will go writing in about this. Um, nobody go writing in about this. But that would be, you know, that would be my supposition. And I think it's, I think it, that's based on the fact that uh, dogs, you know, dogs and you know, wolves evolved into dogs alongside yeah. us. They evolved eating what we eat, and we puzzle, don't we? You think, oh, what should I feed my dog? Yeah. Feed him what
0: you eat. it's there under your nose right in front yeah, of you when you have any your tea. nose
1: right in front of you that's a very strong How many number facts three are we on now we've got on two, two left two. Uh, number that's two really <laughs> struggle for the last <laughs> fact um so my my next fact would be that dogs noses uh-huh. have slits in the side I've seen that if you we've you, you you've seen it I've Most seen people, it I'd never noticed until I read until I read about uh canine anatomy. Mm-hmm. So the the reason for this is when a dog breathes in, it divides that breath into two. One obviously goes into its lungs, uh-huh. to oxygenate its lungs, but another portion of that breath goes into its smell, um, its um, olfactory center. <laughs> <laughs> Where it smells, I'm yeah. trying to say. Yeah, yeah. And then it circulates out through the sides of the nostrils, right? So it can, can keep bringing scent in through its nose. It, sensing what's in that and then expelling it. Unlike we, I mean, our, our terrible sense of smell, we have to breathe in, smell, breathe out again, through yeah. our noses, useless, terrible. But a dog gets, gets that continual picture of what's around them through its nose Amazing. because of this side sets. Final fact, number one, about dogs. Yeah. I'm nailing this. <laughs> yeah, um, you are, you are, it's good. Five facts <laughs> off the it's, uh, it's brilliant. Dogs can't see the range of colours that we see. They can only see in blue and yellow Everything in between is a kind of grey. So, when you're wondering why can't my dog see the green ball on the green grass? Oh yeah. Uh, why? When you're wondering why what, your dog doesn't see red? Oh really? Right. So there's no point having a red ball. Oh your right. Dog. I didn't a, even know have that. Have a yellow ball for your dog.
0: I feel like uh, they've been they give us th- with their amazing sense of smell but they've had something slightly taken away from them the whole time no, no 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 they
1: don't need it it's like us with our sense of smell. We have the eyes to show us what's going on and yeah, yeah. else we're totally plugged into that. Dogs eyesight is not great. They don't need their eyes. Their eyes is their backup sense. Their primary sense is their smell. Second probably would be taste. I mean, before a dog looks at something, it sniffs, doesn't it? And it goes and it tries, sees, sees it, if it can eat it, tries yeah. to lick it, taste it, whatever <laughs> it is, whatever what, it anything is. Anything goes. Finally, we'll look at it. One last fact, really interesting fact. Because Bonus of the fact. Shape of a dog's eye. A dog doesn't have... Our vision, it just thrives on colour and still... We love a still life, don't we? Like a little bowl, you know, Dutchman painting a little bowl of fruit. yeah, yeah. yeah. Possibly decaying. <laughs> blue bottle hovering <laughs> <laughs> hovering magnificently in one corner what we, we uh, love a still life, a dog that means nothing uh, dog's eyes are attuned pretty much only to motion, so when you throw you wonder why you throw the ball for your dog and your dog can race after the ball, jump in the air catch the ball in the air, but as soon as the ball lands on the ground and stops, can't find the thing Oh, I see. That's because the ball's not moving; it can't, and and because you bought a red ball, and it makes have. <laughs> can't see the damn thing. <laughs>
0: I, I feel bad in that case because a lot of a lot of dog owners do the pretend <laughs> to throw it. You can't help yourself, do pretend yes, throw when you do yeah, throwing yeah, a ball yeah, for they a dog. Do yeah, at that. Uh, so, uh, what do you think of like? There's a lot of new dog owners now, isn't there? Is this a good thing?
1: I think it's a great thing. Yeah, and I think that was another. Um, you know, it wasn't. I can't say it was a motivation for writing the book. But it was one of the things I realised when I finished the book is. I mean, there must be a lot of new dog owners, and I think this is great for kids and adults. Yeah, we all need to understand dogs better because it's funny. Dogs put all their attention on us. They watch us so carefully and so closely. We're the centres of their world, and our dogs are obviously, you know, we love our dogs, but we're not as good at understanding their body language and what's going on with them as they are with us. Yeah. And there can be a lot of misunderstandings. You know, a dog yawning can mean that it's stressed. A dog wagging its tail doesn't mean it's pleased to see someone. It can just mean it's just experiencing a lot of a lot of emotion. It's just it's just highly excited. We need to understand dogs better, you know. We need to understand their behaviour better. I think.
0: Fantastic. Well, it was a good way for for kids and their parents then to kind yes. of learn a little bit more about the dogs exactly. through the story as well. One final question: What what is so important to get kids away from tablets and reading? How crucial is reading for kids and it, getting them reading again? It is
1: the most important thing you can do for your kids. I think is to read for them. My tip would be, um, you know, pick a book you, your child really really enjoys uh, and it might take a bit of searching to find something that Flick, they really, for example. really connect with. Fluke, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dive straight in. Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. Um, you know, uh, my son had trouble getting into reading and he really connected with the Claude books, funnily enough, about a dog. I think that's maybe one of the reasons I ended up writing a story about a dog. Yeah. Pick, um, it's great if the book has, you know, particularly if they're young readers, it's great if the, cha- the chapters are short. And a nice... Tip is you read a few pages and then they read a few pages to you. So you can say, okay, we're going to read a chapter. I'll read three pages and then you read three pages back to me. That gives, it's great. It's very, very bonding for for you and the kid. And it's brilliant for just helping, you know, they're getting a lot of experience on their reading and you can just give them little pointers and stuff. Not, Not like they're at school, but you can give them little bits of guidance too while they're actually reading their bit to you.
0: Well, listen, this is a fantastic book. It's a gorgeous thing. It's out right now, How I Became a Dog Called Midnight. Uh, Ben Miller, thank you so much.
1: Thanks for having me.